Well, good morning, Evangelical Community Church. <laughs> invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. So we continue your study here through the book of Hebrews. And such a delight to see you all. For those of you uh, who were members here uh, when I had the privilege of serving as a pastor, it's great to finally see you. You know, uh, when I left, it was middle of covid so I feel like I didn't have a proper farewell. So this is so great to see you in person. And for those of you who I've never met, uh, I'm just so uh, pleased to make your acquaintance and to be able to share God's word with you this morning. So uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 together. And it's verses 17 to 19. Let me read. Obey your leaders. And submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that this morning, Jesus, you would speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit by your holy word. We thank you for the Bible. It's the inspired, authoritative, inerrant, all-sufficient word of our Creator. And so, Lord, may we hear it and receive it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, it is wonderful to be back in Abu Dhabi and to see how much has changed and how much is the same, and uh, to see you all again. One of the joys, uh, having gone back to my home country and now being back here, I, one of the joys that, that I miss here in Abu Dhabi so much is the multicultural diversity. It's, it's multiculturalism on steroids. Uh, and, and it's so wonderful to meet uh, all kinds of different people. And, and when you live in a multicultural community, you realize how different cultures can be. Uh, some cultures are more individualistic. They place a higher value on personal freedom, personal expression, and accomplishment. Other cultures have a higher value on community life and creating unity and harmony within the community. Um, communication is different. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, some cultures are very direct communication. They just want to tell you what they think. And for them, they think this is just being honest and truthful. Uh, other cultures are more indirect communication. You know, they, they, wouldn't be, they would consider it rude and unfriendly to just tell you something. And so you have to not only listen to what they're saying, you have to listen to what they're not saying. And how they're standing and what facial expressions they're making. And so the messages are sent in a more subtle way. And so living cross-culturally, you, you have to under, you start learning all of these things. Here's another area where there's differences in cultures, is how people relate to leaders, how followers relate to those in authority. Uh, in um, cultural studies, cross-cultural studies, this is called power distance. Have you ever heard that phrase, power distance? And the idea is it's the distance in the culture between the leaders and the followers, all right? 
So some cultures are high power distance. Maybe you came from high power distance where leaders, you respect them, you honor them, you do not question them, you do not critique them. <laughs> you, the leaders is, you, you know, you don't touch the leader. And in a church uh, with a high power distance culture, you'll often hear people say things like, don't touch the Lord's anointed, right? Some of us come from low power distance cultures where the distance between the leader and the follower is very small, where the, the, the people feel very free to speak up and to push back. Uh, I come from the United States. Uh, the power distance between the leaders and the followers is like, actually it's like this, okay, so. <laughs> you work for us, we're the people. We can say and do whatever we want. And so it, it's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, sometimes as a leader there. Uh, in, in a low power distance church, the saying might go like this. Uh, the pastor has to earn the right to be heard. He has, we, we have to, he has to do enough to show us that he's trustworthy, and then we might start listening. That's low power distance. So what's the right way? How should we be? You know, which culture is, is right? Which approach? It's even more complex than that, though, isn't it? Because even though we all come from cultures, we're also all individuals. And so your personal experience of authority also affects this. If you had wonderful parents, if you had wonderful role models and teachers in your life, maybe you've been in churches and you had a really good pastor, your, your trust in authority might be higher. Uh, or maybe your parents hurt you. Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe you had people in your life uh, deceive you and people you trusted proved very untrustworthy. Maybe you were in churches where the pastor was a, a, a scoundrel, you know? He was a bad pastor who hurt you. Well, then your trust in authority might be lower no matter what your cultural background is. So now imagine taking all of those cultures all those personal stories and bringing them into evangelical community church. <laughs> and we're all supposed to figure out how we relate to leaders in the church, to our pastors and our elders. And so how do we do this? Well, here in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 to 19, the writer of Hebrews gives us an answer. A really helpful path. This, the the, the uh, writer here is going to give us, it's like train tracks. He's going to give us two tracks, okay? And if we can keep our wheels on both of these tracks, I, I think we find a good way forward. Uh, the first track is in verse 17. Uh, and so what's the first thing that we should understand about relating to leaders and those in authority in a local church? Look again at verse 17. He says, obey your leaders, and submit to them. And so there is, in a local church, a measure of authority, spiritual authority, given to pastors and elders. It's not absolute. <laughs> it's not the authority of an emperor. But, but there is authority there. They, they speak with an authority given by God. And so... That means that 
well, we should obey them and submit to them. You should, you should listen to them. If they're coming to you saying, you know, brother, sister, this is what God's word says, and so you should do this. You know, that, that's, not, that's not abuse for a pastor to say that. That's just the pastor doing his job. This is what the word says. You should do it. And if a pastor is speaking to you from the word or an elder, well, obey them. Submit to their authority and, and receive that. Now, if you come from a low power distance culture like I do, all right, those words, obey and submit, are dirty words, right? <laughs> obey authority, you know, in the United States, people like to put bumper stickers on their cars. You guys come from your countries, people put, you don't put bumper stickers here, but they put on the back of their car, and it'll have a little saying, you know, so everyone's preaching at everybody with their bumper stickers. And, uh, and one of the common bumper stickers in the United States is, Question authority. <laughs> so, you know, when, when someone from my low power distance culture reads the words obey and submit, they go like, oh, ooh, mm, no. We should, we should be questioning authority and, and, and worried about authority. Or maybe you've just, in your life, you've had really bad experiences with people in authority. Perhaps you have been abused in some way by a person, they've misused their power. And so maybe for you, regardless of your culture, you read those words, you're hearing obey leaders, submit to their authority, and you're envisioning that person in your life, and you're like, ah, I can't imagine doing that. That was the problem. That person was abusive and destructive of me. And so, so why? Why would we do this? Well, look at the next line. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So the elders and pastors of the church are watching over your souls as those who have to give an account. Give an account to whom? Jesus. Right? So they have to give an accounting to Jesus someday. This isn't just their personal little kingdom. They're under-shepherds of Jesus Christ. They, they are, um, you know, they're VP, not president. They're not even VP. They're just managers who are told to go and, and oversee Jesus' church. Th these are people Jesus has given to his church because he loves his church. You know, Jesus loves you so much. Think of all the good things Jesus has given you. He gives us jobs and family and health and He's given us salvation. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us His Holy Word. All these are gifts from Jesus. And another thing Jesus gives us as a gift is He gives us godly leaders who can teach us the Word of God and teach us how to live. He not only says, gives us a book that tells us how to follow Him, but then He also gives us real people who can help us understand the book and real people who can live in a way that we can watch their life and say, oh, that's how you do it. Okay. And so we learn to follow Jesus and love Jesus because the gifts that Jesus has given. I mean, we're followers of Jesus, right? But Jesus is not here. He's gone back to the Father's right hand. Um, so Jesus isn't here to shepherd his church. So who did he give to shepherd the church? Well, he gave it to the apostles. He said to the apostles, you're now going to be the shepherds of the church. 
right? But the apostles, are they here today? No. There's no more apostles. I know some people call themselves apostles. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus doesn't call them apostles. They just call themselves apostles. The, the apostles in the Bible were the foundation layers of the church. They were the eyewitnesses. You had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection to be an apostle. And, and so you, had, you were the ones who went and proclaimed that. And then the, the eyewitnesses planted churches. But the apostles aren't around to lead the churches. So who then shepherds the church? Well, it's pastors and elders. So Jesus gave the shepherding mantle to the apostles. Remember when he said to Peter on John 21, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter, you and the apostles feed the sheep. And then do you remember what Peter wrote to the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5? He said, shepherd the flock. The same language that Jesus gave to him. So there's literally uh, a transfer of that shepherding accountability and authority from Jesus to the apostles. And then the apostles who've written the word of God. You know, this is an apostolic church. What makes it an apostolic church is that we follow the writings of the apostles. And then elders and pastors take the apostolic writings and then we, we help teach it and we help live it. And so this is, this is an accountability to Jesus. This authority is not an absolute authority. This is Jesus giving this gift to the church. And, and in fact, if you know where we are in Hebrews, you guys have been studying Hebrews with Pastor Aubrey, you know that chapter 13 with all of these commands are, are what? Acceptable worship. So really, this is a way of worshiping Jesus. We, we obey and submit to our leaders as unto the Lord, not as unto the leaders. Because if it says unto the leaders, well, you're going to be disappointed at some point. Because uh, I have bad news. Leaders aren't perfect. They, they have bad days, believe that or not. They can have a struggle sometimes, but, but Jesus doesn't. And so we obey, every, everyone we obey in life, we obey as unto the Lord, even political rulers and government rulers. It's all as unto Christ. And so, so that's why we, we obey and submit us, because this is Jesus' gift to us. It's our way of worshiping and loving Jesus. And so if that's the case, well, then if you don't obey and submit to your leaders, you're only hurting yourself. Look at what he says in verse 17. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, if, so in other words, if Jesus gives leaders to help you grow in your faith and become stronger Christians, if leaders are one, one part of Jesus' whole plan for strengthening us, and then we don't listen to leaders, well, we're only, only hurting ourselves, right? It, it's like if you go to the doctor and you're, you're really sick, like, I don't know what's wrong, and the doctor says, okay, you need to see the specialist, and here's some medicine, and you're like, I don't need you telling me what to do. I don't go to the internet. <laughs> you know, ah, the internet says, you know, just eat it five guys and I'll be better. So, you know, ha I'll fix myself. Like, you're only hurting you. <laughs> just, you know, so, so don't, don't make their jobs uh, a groaning and a difficulty um, because it's ultimately for your own benefit, that, that you would listen to godly, good, not perfect, but godly and good leaders that the Lord has given you. 
You know, I love here uh, what he says, uh, don't make their job, make their job a joy, not a groaning, right? Are, are you a Christian who is easy to lead, or are you a Christian who makes a leader's job a groaning, right? Do, do they, is it easy to lead you, or is it hard to lead you? Um, are you an EGR Christian? Extra grace required. <laughs> Some of us are EGR Christians. It just takes everyone extra grace to continue to live together in community. Hey, look, a lot of you are leaders. You lead companies. You lead teams. You manage a small team. Some of you are classroom teachers. We, we've all had experiences in life of leadership, right? And we all know. It just takes that one person who is, doesn't want to do it the way that everyone's doing it, who's resistant to everything. And as a leader or a manager or a teacher, you can, you can spend like 80% of your time on that one person. And they just suck all the energy. You're like, oh, you know. It's the, you know and so don't be a, groan, a, a reason for groaning. Be a reason for joy in your leader's life. How can you make your leader's work a joy? How can you make pastors and elders happy to lead you? How can you not be extra grace required, Christian? Um, let me just get very practical here. Here are things you can do and that I can do, because we all follow leadership, right? Um, here's things we can do to make our leader's work a joy. Here's just five suggestions. Number one, attend church. That's basic. How can someone keep watch over your soul if they can't even see your body? <laughs> Where are they? I don't know. I haven't seen them. Come, if you're a member of the church, come to members' meetings. Uh, just be able to see each other. Because it's hard to even know what's going on in someone's life unless you can at least talk to them and, and just be open with each other. How are you? You know, and, and be, be honest. Say, I'm really, I'm really, really discouraged. I'm really worried they're restructuring my company. I don't know what's going to happen. And share that. And so then leaders can say, oh, here's someone who needs encouragement from Christ, and they can pray for you. And so, so that's how they, they keep watch over your soul. So make sure you just show up. That's, that's half of it right there. Uh, number two, if they teach you something from the Bible that's true, then do it. <laughs> just obey whatever God's Word says. That's if we all just obeyed whatever God's Word says, I bet you 95% of the problems in church would just go away, right? If I just obeyed everything God says, my marriage would probably dramatically improve. And, and so God's Word is good. It, and so we all, pastors too, we need to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Here's the third one, is, is to submit in the gray areas. Here's what I mean. Uh, a lot of times the, the tensions in church happen around decisions and issues where it's not black and white, where, where you could follow the Bible, you might make a decision this way or you might make it that way. You might spend a little money this way or you might spend it that way. Neither is wrong. And so people debate it and think about it and finally the leaders make a decision. And, and, you know, it comes that moment where you're like, the money should be spent this way, 
and then you find out they spent it this way. <laughs> and that's hard, because you're like, what? Why? It makes no sense to me. And, uh, and I think those are the moments where you submit. And you say, well, this is not a sin issue. This is a wisdom issue. They're my leaders, and I, I submit to their authority. Hey, I even have to do that as a pastor. As in, I, I come to my elders, and I say, you know, well, there's a debate like that, and then the elders take a vote. And eight of the elders want to spend the money this way, and me and another elder want to spend the money that way. So then we lose the vote. So what do we do? We submit. We say, well, we're going to trust God and trust His plan, and we're going to honor the decision of the group. And so at some point, if you're a member of a church, and it probably won't take long, there's going to be something you'll disagree with. I've never been in a church where I agree with everything, even when I'm the senior pastor, which sounds weird to say, but it's true. I never agree with it. There's only one church that I've agreed with everything. It's the church of me, myself, and I. And uh, there's three of us in that church. We seem to agree on everything. So you never agree with everything in the church. So at some point, in some way, everyone has to, to say, okay, fine. It's not my preference, but I'm, I'll go with it. And that's, that's actually good for our hearts to do that because it requires humility and it requires learning how to obey and submit. Here's a fourth way we can make our leaders work a joy and not a groaning um, is, is if, you, if you're really bothered and it's still bothering you, please just go talk to one of the elders or pastors and say, you know, I've tried to let go of this and I, it's just bothering me and talk to them and do it respectfully and kindly, but also be willing to go to them and say, listen, this, I can't get over this thing. It just it keeps me, and it's now it's hard. I come to church. I have a hard time singing. My heart feels disconnected because this thing is bothering me. And just talk about it. That, that's the way to handle it. Don't talk to everybody else except the leader. <laughs> that's what we often do. Talk to this person, talk to that person. And then, and then you know, the leaders here, you know, well, people are saying, and, and if you're a leader, like, that's the most useless thing you can hear. Like, people are saying, like, who? What are they saying? Did they really say that? I don't know. And so go directly if you have concerns. And maybe, maybe you're right. What if you're right? Well, then as a leader, that helps me to say, ah, oh, I didn't even think about that. Maybe we did make the wrong decision there. And you can change direction or even modify decisions. And here's the fifth one. Just examine your heart. Do you have issues with authority? We all have issues, don't we? And if you don't deal with your issues, your issues are going to deal with you. <laughs> so you've got to deal with your issues. And so just ask your, heart, ask your heart, Lord, show me. Do I have issues with authority that are not biblical, that, that, are, that are not what you would want me to have? So... How do we relate to those in authority in the church, pastors and elders? Well, we need to obey them and submit to them to make their work a joy and not a groaning. But, but perhaps you're hearing all this and you're thinking, yeah, okay, if you have good leaders, but what if there are problems with the leaders? Does verse 17 put church leaders on a pedestal and beyond question? I mean, don't abusive cult leaders use verses like verse 17 to silence questions and keep everybody in line. Can't things like this be abused? 
Okay, great. When, you're, when your leaders and your elders are, are good, godly people, not perfect, but good and godly, um, you know, what do I do in those circumstances? Well, let's look at the second command in this passage. It's verses 18 and 19. Here's the other train track that we have to have. So you have to do the first one, which is obey and submit. But then there's verse 18, which is pray for us, which is an amazing admission that a leader would say, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need help. Because leading God's church is a kind of a terrifying thing, honestly. And what do we pray for? He says in verse 18, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience. So we know what our motives are. We know that we're trying to just do the best we can to help people know Christ and grow in Christ. Uh, We're not doing it for the money. We're not doing it for other things. We're doing it for the Lord. Desiring to act honorably in all things. So we want to have the right motives and we want to live the right way. And so pray for us that that we would be able to to minister in that kind of a vein. And so there's a call here to pray for leaders that that they would, uh, they would be helped in this. Because if, re- if you really think about it, your shepherds are also sheep. That's the strange thing about being a pastor, I have to say. It's, it's a very strange thing. Because you know who you are. You're just a, a struggling Christian like everyone else. You're just a sheep. And it's like you're, you're there with the other sheep. Bah, bah. How you doing? Bah, bah. You know? And suddenly, it's like Jesus walks up to you taps you on your shoulder, and you're like, bah? And, and he takes his shepherd's staff, and he shoves it in your mouth. And he says, shepherd the flock. And you're like, Roar? <laughs> bah? <laughs> so, and so now you're, you're, you're just a sheep. You have bad days. You have personality quirks. You come from a culture. You have issues, just like everybody else. You know, you're also in process as a, as a leader. So you need prayer because, because leaders are not perfect people or perfect Christians either. They're not super Christians. They don't have all the answers. So I love the humility here of this leader uh, who wrote this to say, pray for us. We need your prayers. It's like James says, not many of you brothers should desire to be teachers because teachers are held to a higher standard. There's a, there's a sense of, of weight and authority. Uh, you, you know, you shouldn't be sort of pressing forward to be a leader. You, you should go into it with a sense of trembling and awe. This is Jesus' church. He will demand an account for how we shepherd and lead. And, and that is a, a fearful thing. What kind of leaders should we be? Well, actually, you studied this a few weeks ago. If you look back at verse 7, I could just tie this together with, uh, remember, tie verse 17 to verse 7, where the writer says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. So, what kind of leaders should we strive to be? Number one, They teach the Word, and number two, they live the Word. You want leaders who will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
who will continue to stand here and open the Bible and talk about the Bible and exhort you from the Bible. That, that's the leader's job, not to teach weird doctrine or preach themselves or preach some, you know, word of revelation that they had that's not in the Bible and that they start commanding you from that. No, our job is to, is to feed you the food that grows you up to eternal life, which is the Word of God. And so you need leaders who teach the Word, but not just teach the Word. They have to live a life submitted to the Word so that you can look at their life and say, oh, that's how you follow Jesus. Okay, I get it. And so we look to others to imitate their faith, to imitate their marriage, their habits, how they use their money, the, the, the way they interact with others. There has to be a, an integrity issue. Um, and so we need to pray for pastors and elders to be such men. We need to pray regularly for them. Uh, and, and that means that, that they're accountable too, right? Maybe you're, again, hearing this and you're saying, okay, okay, pray for them. Yes, obey and submit to them. But what if, what if their teaching becomes false? What if there's a major problem with their integrity? Do we just keep submitting and obeying and doing what they say if there's a major sin problem or a major teaching problem? The answer is absolutely not. You have to address it right? The Bible talks about that too. Do this. Turn back, if you have a Bible, to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 is such a helpful verse that balances. It's kind of a middle road between high power distance, low power distance. There's both great respect for leaders, but also accountability for leaders. If you look at verse 17, it says, let the elders... 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So the honoring here includes um, giving, you know, helping them have a salary so they can do their work. Verse 19, do not admit a charge against an elder, okay, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, so if there's evidence and there's a real charge, then it needs to be investigated. And then verse 20, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So do you see both of those are there? Holding someone in honor and respect and not just listening to gossip and things like that. But if there really is a real problem with real testimony, evidence, and witnesses, then you have to address it. Um, I have not been here for three years now. Uh, I'm aware that you as a church recently had to deal with a situation like this. And I just want to say two things to you as an outsider looking in. Number one, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. It's very, very painful in a church. And the second thing I would say is, I'm so proud of you and your elders for dealing with it, that it didn't get swept under the rug. That happens in churches, doesn't it? There's a problem in leadership, and, and so often in churches, people just sweep it under the rug. 
But, but I think I'm, I'm just so proud that, that you addressed it and you're, and you're still addressing it and dealing with that. And I'm, I think that's the right thing to do. And so I just want to encourage you in that and, and say, I hope, th- I hope that gives you greater trust in the leaders that they were willing to address a difficult thing, uh, even though it could have cost them personally and made a painful experience for them. Um, and notice, by the way, since we're talking about leaders, did you notice that it's always plural? Do you see that? Verse 17, obey your leaders, plural, right? Verse 18, pray for us that we may have a clear conscience. And so again, we're reminded that, that the local church should be governed by a plurality or a number of elders working together. And, and I think plurality and group leadership is so important. So churches are not supposed to be led by one single anointed man of God. You know, nobody should have that kind of pressure on their shoulders. <laughs> you know, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Hey, listen, who's the Lord's anointed in the New Testament? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Do you know what Christ means? Anointed one. He's the anointed leader. Uh, well, I guess you could say we're all anointed too because we all have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, okay, if I'm an anointed leader, well, then you're all anointed because we all have the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus is the anointed leader. But among humans who are leading, the, sh- the sheep who become shepherds, there's a plurality. And I think part of the reason there's a plurality is so that so that it's a, a safeguard against those kinds of problems. You know, who, who holds the elders accountable? Well, the elders should hold each other accountable. And ultimately, you as a church have to hold your leaders accountable. So, should a church be high power distance or should it be low power distance? Hmm, maybe a little of both, huh? It should be high power distance and that we should hold leaders in honor and esteem. We should treat them with respect and, and deference and we should obey them and submit to their authority. But leaders should lead as if it's low power distance. They should be humble. They should be transparent. They should seek to, to win people over and earn a right to be heard. So if you're a, if you're a member... Act as if you're high power distance. If you're a leader, act as if it's low power distance, right? And serve them. And then what happens is, as followers, you make their job easy. And as leaders, by being humble, godly servants, you're actually making the follower's job easy because they can trust you. And they can see that your life is transparent and godly. Well, let me close with one more thing. Um, I realize this sermon this morning is about the church and leadership, and Hebrews 13 is about the acceptable worship of God's people. But I just want to close by saying just a brief comment. Uh, If you are here this morning, and maybe you're like, well, that was all very interesting, but I'm not a Christian, or I'm not sure if I'm a Christian, I'm not in a church, and so what does this have to do with me? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just a person out there. Maybe you're a different faith and you're here this morning. And, and if so, we're, we're so thankful that you're here with us. Uh, you know, what about me? What does this passage that's all about life inside the church have to do with people who are not in a church? Well, um, let me put it this way. So, okay, I'm going to go direct communication. All right. So this is direct communication. All right, here it is. My friend, 
if that's you, you need to know that you are lost. You're like a sheep wandering in the mountains by yourself, and you are far from God. And we're all lost. That's our natural condition. The reason we're lost is because all of us reject the one true authority, which is not a pastor or an elder. The one true authority is God who made us. The Bible calls this sin. We're all sinners. We all reject the authority of God in different ways. And so we all are lost, and and we're under God's judgment and condemnation. But the amazing story of the Bible is that the good shepherd Jesus came to die on the cross. And Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And that's who we are here. So if you're looking at these group of Christians, you're like, who are they? Why are they here? Why are they singing so loudly? What is it that's in their hearts? It's that we were lost, but now we're found. And Jesus forgave our sins. He he forgave our disobedience against God. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he was bearing God's judgment against sin so that I could be forgiven. And those arms that were stretched out on the cross are still stretched out open wide to embrace anybody who will come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm lost in my sins. Please save me. You know, why are you even here today? Why are you in church? Like, well, someone invited me. No, no, why? Could it be that the good shepherd is looking for you? And he's steering you gently. And he's even sent a very imperfect (laughs) shepherd, leader, to speak to you this morning. Maybe Jesus is speaking to you, and He's calling you to trust in Him and to come back home to the God who made you. Wouldn't you come now even and put your faith in Jesus and know that that there is a home with God for you, that you don't have to be lost, and to to learn what it's like to live under the good, life-giving authority of God and His Word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are the good ruler. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Sheikh of sheikhs. Lord, all things are in Your hand. We thank You for Your good word, Your good authority in Your word. And God, we thank You even for the the little authority that You've given to pastors and elders to help the flock grow up. And so, God, I pray that you would all help us to examine our hearts toward authority, Lord. And um, some of us are too trusting, and some of us are too suspicious, Lord. And we pray that that we would learn to hold that talent, that uh, uh, tension, and and that we would run on both tracks of the train, that we, Lord, would honor authority, but we'd also pray for our leaders because we know they are just men just like us. And God, we pray that you would protect this church, that you would continue to bless ECC with pastors and elders and deacons and uh, Bible study leaders and all kinds of people in the church who are humble and godly and love your word and obey your word. And Lord, may the, 
May the life of the Spirit flow from the leaders, and may the life of the Spirit rebound from the members, and that the whole body might be full of the glory of Christ as they all together submit to your word. Lord Jesus, we pray, make it so. In your name, amen.